Welcome to the podcast of Grace Covenant Church, where we are transformed by God's grace, connected through relationships, and committed to service. Whether you believe in Santa Claus or God or fate, no matter what you believe, you're not going to believe what happened in Reading, Pennsylvania. All right, let's go. It began like all the other times. Every year I go out with Secret Santa, an anonymous businessman who travels the country at Christmas time, randomly going up to people in bus stations and thrift stores and handing out $100 bills. Are you lying? Oh, no, it's true. Oh, my God, this is crazy. Although the reactions are priceless, every year he spends sometimes more than $100,000 of his own money on this. Here's $100. And one thing I've always wondered is, is it really worth it? You don't know what these people are going to do with this money. Do you care? No, because one of the things that I do is I do not judge. Good thing, because separating the naughty from nice and this is, for you. is definitely not his forte. I didn't earn that. You, you did earn it, because I can tell you're a good man. A good man? Yeah. When was the last time you heard that? Maybe like uh, my mom. 30-year-old Thomas Coates is a total deadbeat, at least by most accounts, including his own. I wish I was Addicted to heroin, he recently hocked his own son's toys for drug money. That's how bad it is. I haven't worked in over a year, you know. I spent so much time in and out of treatment facilities. Why his girlfriend hasn't left him and taken their son is a mystery even to her. Grab your bag. But she is now running out of patience, which is why the night before we met him, during yet another one of their many money fights, she suggested he try something radical. She said, maybe you can shoot a prayer up to God real quick, you know? I know, you know, you, you don't really believe in him, but maybe you can start. And so he did pray for the first time since childhood. Take it, it's for you. Take it, take it. Then, out of the blue, this saint shows up, slipping hundreds into his hand. You could almost see the wheels turning. That kind of kindness from a total stranger the day after he prayed. You're my man. See you, pal. It was too much of a coincidence for this atheist to bear. It's amazing. That, to me, was a miracle. That was God saying, right? He had enough now. <laughs> I'm going to show you something. So from here on out, it's up to me. After meeting Secret Santa, Thomas checked himself into a treatment facility. And although he's done it before, he says this will be the first time with a higher power at the helm. So what happened in that story? It just seemed like a fun story to, for Thanksgiving and Christmas. I felt like it'd be fun to watch that, but more importantly, we're talking about change this is kind of our last time to talk about change for a while, but what happened? Well, he began to believe in God. He had no concept of God. He was an atheist, but that's not it. It's not that he just began to believe in God. What did he believe about God? He, he, he began to believe that God loved him, and that's not all either, that God loved him and would hear his prayer, that he was a, a faithless prayer, and then he would send a stranger to answer the prayer by giving him a gift. And the gift was proof 
that God loved him. And he couldn't, he couldn't take that. He couldn't endure that. That's why he cried. And that's why the Bible says it is the mercies of God that brings men to repentance. It is, it is this grace of God that changed him. And he has a lot to learn about the grace of God. He's, you know, he's obviously brand new at all of this. But it was grace that changed him. It was that gift. It was the intervention of an answered prayer that woke him up. When we talk about a change, if you'll turn in your Bibles to Galatians, it's towards the end of your Bible, Galatians chapter 3. This is the last time we'll have a chance to talk about, about how to change this uh, year. And I've saved the best for last because I, I want us to look at a passage that Paul wrote about. And it is probably the most ignored passage in um, the church today because it's talking about how we can change our lives and, and, and people don't understand this. Uh, interestingly, it seems like people know the verse, but they don't understand these, these verses. They don't understand the sentences that are involved. Because salvation comes, we, I think most of us can, can to attest that, that salvation comes by a gift from God, but, but becoming complete is a gift from God, is what we're going to learn today. And, and it's, a, it's a pretty simple outline. Let me just read, if you're in your Bibles now, Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, and then we're going we're gonna to walk down the outline. I'll show you how, how simply it rolls out, but it, let me just start with verse 1. Um, Paul is writing to this community and says, you fool, he calls, starts off by calling them fools. Oh, there you go. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn this one thing from you. Did, you. did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or believing in what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning in the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Have you suffered so much for nothing if you really did suffer for nothing at all? Does God give you His Spirit and work miracles among you because you observed the law or because you believed what you heard? Now, what we're looking at here is, is how people change, like the very nature of who they are by becoming children of God, and then and how they change and are made complete. And what we're going to do is we're just going to, it's very simple, we're going we're gonna to work just a few verses together because they all build on each other. You have to understand the first one to understand the second one to finally get to the point where we understand the third thing on how to become complete. So I'm just going to walk through the outline, point out a few words that are interesting. But my prayer is that you kind of have somewhat of an epiphany, an aha moment going, oh, that's, okay, now I get it. Because that's how this happens to people. They try plan A and plan B for a while, and then they give up. And this is, actually, this is plan A. So the outline's pretty simple. It, it's, you know, how, how is there conversion in the, in the first place? Then what do we get with that, right? And then finally, how do we change? How do we change? And if you look at the passage itself, you can see the first thing that we're going to look at is how, how does conversion happen? That's by grace. Look at verse 1 through 3. You foolish Galatians who bewitched you, before your very eyes, before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I'd like to know this one thing. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or believing what you heard? Now, what does that mean, Jesus Christ crucified before your very eyes? Now, Galatia is a long way from Jerusalem. My point is this. I don't believe he's referring to them literally seeing Jesus crucified. I think there's, an, there's, there's a deeper meaning to these, this phrase that before your very eyes, you saw vividly portrayed Jesus crucified. 
And as a matter of fact, I mean, it's so graphic that the net new English translation, the one that's on the, on the web that's for free, it's, it's a literal translation. It says, before your very eyes was vividly, Jesus Christ was vividly portrayed as crucified. Another translation says, um, publicly placarded. Publicly placarded. Vividly displayed, publicly placarded. So, okay, so they didn't see it happen. So did Paul show up with big placards, placards, right, and write it all out? He didn't do that either. He's not talking about about coming to Galatia. Paul, he's talking about when he came there, he's talking about when he taught about Jesus, he was talking about when he was teaching Jesus, he was teaching them vividly, placarded, right? Public, uh, displayed to them clearly, Jesus crucified. In other words, when Paul shows up to this town to teach them about the Jesus, he doesn't say, these are principles that you need to know. He told the story of Jesus' life. He, 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 he told the narrative. He got people involved with the man, Jesus. And it would be like today, these days, um, uh, when, when people see the Jesus film for the first time, the Jesus film is a word-for-word -word, uh, film of the book of Luke. And you can see this in sometimes in some, in some countries when they've never seen even sometimes a film. And, they, and that's Jesus publicly or vividly displayed before their very eyes. And when they, the point is, they see this story, this beautiful story, and they fall in love with Jesus. Uh, um, John Stott says, Paul didn't come and say, here's what Jesus says you're supposed to do. Paul came in and says, this is what Jesus has done for you. He tells the story of Jesus, and the way the story is told is vivid. And before their very eyes, it's Christ crucified, and then they are overwhelmed. They fall in love. So the first, kind of the first part is how it's communicated. It is the life of Jesus. And the second part of the phrase, you know, vividly portrayed, is the idea of you have this kind of an awakening, this awareness, this, this aha moment, this epiphany, this existential event in your life where you, you don't understand what's happening, and then you've heard it, maybe the story of Jesus dying for people, uh, for, for the cost of sin, maybe a hundred times. And, and, you, and you, it's, it's still, it's just like, okay, it's an historical event. And then something happens in your life and you say, you know what, I got to get God in my life again. I mean, I, I got to get God in my, my world. You know, things are not working out. Kind of like this uh, poor soul. I need God in my life. And, and, and so what do, what do people do when they want to get God in their life? They get busy, don't they? I need, to start, I'm not, I need to start doing right things. I need to start trying harder. And that just spins you up into frustration because you can't, you can't keep that going. And then you finally kind of can maybe quit. Or maybe like this guy, you just say a prayer. I, I can't do this. And then for the hundredth time, no, 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 you've heard it a hundred times. The hundred and first time someone explains to you that, and it's vivid, before your very eyes, and you go, wait, 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 Jesus died for me. I mean, he died, no, for me. He paid a ransom for my soul. And then all of a sudden, it's, see, it's the beauty of the story. Then, then you're drawn to the person of Jesus Christ, right? I mean, you, you, you are enamored with stories that are even remotely like 
the story of Jesus, and you find them in, in Christmas stories and Wonderful Life, or it's a little drummer boy, or you're reading a novel in school, and you're going, this is, that's like Jesus. You see him everywhere you turn. Or you're, you find yourself when you're reading through the Bible, you see the value and, and the cost of his obedience. You, you see him suffering on the cross, the crucifixion, and, and, and the last temptation where people mocking him, you've saved others, now save yourself. He can, but he doesn't because he's, he's paying a ransom for you. You, you read a, a passage or you sing a song like what, what Michael was leading today, just the, of Ephesians, that he was a divine human being. He was God in flesh. And you want to you go into that, right? You want to read a book on that. See, the point is you have fallen in love and you want to know more about your lover. That's what the, when he says, when he says, that God, that Christ, before your very eyes, Christ was vividly portrayed as crucified. That's what that means. It's, it's a picture that's, that's three-dimensional. It's a holistic thing. And then you understand the depths of that meaning. And Paul says, didn't that just happen with you guys, right? You got it. In other words, you were running around, frazzling yourselves, trying to get God in your life. And then you finally quit, and then you're like on that bench with that, with that man in the story where you just, now, now you're resting in Christ's work for you. There's a calmness to your spirit now. There's no more restlessness because you love him because he first loved you. This is what it means to be converted. Okay, you're not running around trying to be good anymore. You are, you are just receiving this vivid display of Christ's crucifixion and resurrection for you. And Paul says, did you get that? Did you, did you get that? And here, listen, we can't go on to point number two. If you really want to change, you can't go on to point number two until you get this. So you have to apply this first. Have you had a moment like that? Have you had a moment where you, you realized getting God into your life is not about you. It is about receiving a gift. And by receiving that gift, things happen to you. These are, these are absolute consequences that you find yourself drawn to want to know him more. You, you find yourself looking for him in all the little things. And, and you want to pray and you, and you want to read about, you know, the life of Christ in the Bible. I'll tell you a little bit more about that later on. But you have to have that experience. Paul's assuming that, right? That's, that's sort of like our first point. Paul's assuming that. How did you get there? You just received the gift. Okay, the second thing is, well, what did you get? I mean, you got forgiveness and you got new citizenship, sure, but what did you get? That's the second point. Well, you get the Holy Spirit. You get the, sec you get the Holy Spirit. And so that's why I'm just going to read the first two verses again, but listen, the Spirit's going to be used twice, but only once in our, our phrase here, but it picks up again in 3 and 4, but that's the emphasis is my point. 3, 1 says, you foolish Galatians who bewitched you before your very eyes. Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. Now, here's what I'd like to learn from you, this one thing. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Now, when, we talk, when he's talking about the Spirit there in your Bibles, I'm sure it's capitalized because he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. And that is, that is God in spirit form, and you receive him. And honestly, the second secret, I mean, these are, these are secrets that are right in front of our face. How do you change? There are three secrets, and they're right in front of our face. One, you receive Christ. 
him crucified by a, as a gift by faith. Second secret is that you receive the Holy Spirit. And, and like several people that I was reading this week said, look, you know, the, the key really is just appreciating that the Spirit of God lives in your soul. It's, 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 a, it's a fuller comprehension of what's already happened. One author put it this way. He said, stop right here, stop. He says, the big part of spiritual growth is appreciation of the Holy Spirit itself living within you. Um, let me just illustrate this for a second. Okay, in Lord of the Rings, right? <laughs> I'm so sorry, but that's too bad. <laughs> okay, the hero of The Hobbit that precedes the Lord of the Rings, the hero of The Hobbit is a gentleman named Bilbo Baggins, okay? And he goes and kills the, the smog monster and all that kind of stuff, and he in, ends up being exceptionally rich as a result of this. And so that's the end of The Hobbit story. And then Lord of the Rings starts off, and Frodo is the, uh, the hero there. And Bilbo is, is kind of an old friend of his, kind of a mentor. Everybody looked up to Bilbo because he had saved them. And, and before Frodo goes off on his adventures to bring the ring to Mordor, um, um, it's hard for me not to tell the whole story. <laughs> Wait. <clears throat> and then there's elves. Um, uh, he gives, Bilbo gives Frodo this mithril shirt. It's, it's a chainmail vest. It's like a sweater vest. And there, there, there's it is from the Lord of the Rings. There's Bilbo giving it to Frodo right then. And, and he says this. He says, it's made out of mithril, which is light as feather and as hard as dragon scales. And Frodo says, oh, uh, thank you. And the, Yeah, okay. And so he puts it on, and he puts on his old shirt and his raggedy old coat on top of that and, and then just goes on his way. And then on their way, on their journeys, they, he overhears a couple of his friends talking about the wealth of Bilbo Baggins. And they're talking about how, you know, just overwhelmingly expansive is, is this man's great wealth. And they say, well, and then one of them says, oh, you, you don't know the half of it. He goes, oh, what do you mean? He says, well, he has this vest, a, a, like a chainmail vest made of mithril. And the other one says, that's impossible. No one could have that, that much wealth. There's no way, there's, that, there's not that much mithril in, in all of, you know, this um, fantastic land. And, and then finally the person said, if anyone owned a vest made of mithril, he would have more wealth than all of our entire country combined. And then it's Frodo's overhearing this. He's got this thing on underneath an old shirt on top of a raggedy old coat. And it says, Tolkien says, and that staggered Frodo. Later, he would be speared by a bad guy and that vest would save his life. He would be staggered again by its power, not just its worth. The question is, do you know what you have? That's what Paul is saying. Do you know what you have in the Spirit? Has, has the acknowledgement of the Spirit of God in your heart staggered you? Let me ask you this. Did you receive the Spirit by works or by a gift? By obeying the law? No. So that's the question. How are you staggered by that very fact? Because the second key to growth or, or spiritual change in your life is the simple acknowledgement that the Spirit of God dwells inside of your soul and has unlimited power and value. So 
knowing those two things, right? Knowing those two things, that we receive salvation by grace and then receive the Holy Spirit. The third thing that's on our mind is how do we change? Well, he continues, okay? He continues. It's grace again. Uh, I'll read three through five. I'll, I'll skip four because the flow make, works better. It says, are you so foolish? There he is again calling him fool. Are you so foolish? Beginning in the spirit, are you now attaining your goal? Remember that, attaining your goal by human effort. Does, does God give his spirit and work miracles in your life because of the observance of the law or because of what you believe when you heard? So here, listen how important that is, okay? Did you... Ex- the phrase there, attain your goal, okay? Are you so foolish, beginning in the spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal? The word attain your goal is used throughout the letters that Paul writes to the churches. It means to be complete. And that's kind of the goal of what God's doing in your life and in my life. His goal is to make us complete. That's all he wants us to, and complete means to be, well, as much as you could be like Adam and Eve before the fall in, in kind of the way God made you, but complete, and love and courageous and peaceful. And, and, and again, whole, most of your, many of your dreams are part of what God gave you as dreams. He, but he wants to make you complete. So what does it mean to be complete? It means to be made like Christ. And, and the point Paul is making here is, okay, what you started by receiving, you know, forgiveness through Jesus Christ, how do you get complete the same way? Did, did you get, did you did you receive the Spirit? Did you have miracles because you observed the law, he's saying? Now, observing the law is not a bad thing. He's saying, should you be trusting in it? Is your hope in doing good? But here's the key to the whole thing. Here's, here's the, just this simple little thing that unlocks the, the magic here. It's the idea of the present tense of belief. If you look closely in your Bibles, it'll say in verse 5, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you because of the observance of the law or because you believe? Not because you believed, but because you believe now. It's present tense. It's not like in that moment when that guy was getting the $100 and he had that life-changing event and that changed everything. No. He's not talking about you in your dorm room or you in divorce court or that moment where you hit rock bottom and then you believed in Jesus. He's not talking about that. That's, not, that's how you receive salvation, but that's not how you get changed. It says how you believe right now. He's vivid. <laughs> you became a child of God when Christ was crucified, and it was vividly portrayed before your very eyes. Paul is saying, why did you leave? He can still be vividly displayed as crucified before your very eyes still. You fell in love and you were enamored with him at salvation. Why did you stop gazing? You are constantly marveling in his righteousness. You are constantly following yourself, falling deeper in love. And, and your change is you're becoming completed by still believing in those things. Present tense. You're still enamored. You're still in, involved in loving him more. That's how you become complete. All the... Po- So what you began in the Spirit, you don't perfect by doing good. What you began in the Spirit, you continue in the Spirit. Let me try to give you some examples. I'll see how much time I have. There's probably three in there, maybe two. So the point is, how does this actually flesh out? That's why I said at the beginning, you kind of had to have been here. You had to have experienced this quitting and then just receiving to enjoy this. 
Um, let's just pretend you're mad at your father, okay? You're mad at your father. Your wife says you're, or your husband says you're, your mate says you're mad at your father. Your kids know you're mad at your father. Your counselor says you're mad at your father. And you realize you'll never be complete until you get this dealt with. And so what do you do? You pray to God. You say, God, how do I forgive him? How do I let this go? How do I forgive him? How do I, okay, Lord, help me forgive him. 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 And by the way, by the, do you know what I'm focusing on, by the way? Are you listening? I'm focusing on the Father that I'm mad at all the time. Help me forget him. Help me forgive him. Whatever. So now take, take this whole thing away. Take this, take this whole thing away. And here's what I propose to you. And here, you can use this kind of as a, as a dare or as an assignment, whichever. You know, every day between now and Christmas or New Year's, why don't you spend 15 minutes a day just reading the Gospels? And if you want 15 minutes in the morning and 15 minutes at night, and read the stories of Jesus Christ, and then you put yourself in the story. Put yourself in that story. Because when you, when, because when you are the victim of Christ's generosity and his goodness and his perfection and righteousness and his truth, you can fall in love with him. So let's just pretend this person, this man or this woman who's mad at their father, uh, sits down for their 15 minutes and they start reading about Zacchaeus. Now, Zacchaeus was an extremely wealthy uh, tax gatherer, and he was actually kind of the czar of all the tax collectors in his city. And, and, and Jesus is, is going through his town, and he's a short little guy, and, and he, so he has to climb up in a tree just to see him, just to see Jesus. And Jesus looks up in the tree and says, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dine with you. And, while, and that happens. They're at the dinner at Zacchaeus' big place, and he's got his friends around because he wants to, everybody to see that he's dining with Jesus. And then it doesn't say exactly what happened in, in the life of Zacchaeus, but then all of a sudden he just springs up out of the table and says, I'm going to pay everybody back if I've, ever, if, I've, if I've ever cheated them. I'll pay them back four times the amount, which is not, it's way more than he had to. He says, I'm going to give my money to the poor as much as I possibly can. And, and then I'm going to give, if, if I cheated anyone, I'm going to pay them back four times the amount. And Jesus says, you know, <laughs> you know the kingdom of God has come to this guy's house today. W- what happened? The, the thing, the thing that, that Zacchaeus was trying to be defined by was wealth and prosperity and business success. And when Jesus dined with him, it didn't matter in contrast. He couldn't have cared less. And here's the power of this thing. The money that was going to complete the life of Zacchaeus, the money lost value and therefore lost all of its power. And so Zacchaeus is throwing this stuff around because he doesn't care anymore. Oh, aren't you Zacchaeus, that super rich, wealthy guy that's kind of the czar over all the tax collectors in this region? No. No, I'm Zacchaeus, the guy who Jesus asked me if, I could, if he could come to my house. I'm the guy that Jesus visits when he's in town. That's me. See how he... See how... His, he, was used, he, was, he wanted money to complete him, and now he wants Jesus to complete him, and now everything else is just, it's easy to give away. So, the, so kid, let's go back to this. I'm mad at dad. I hate my dad. I can't forgive my dad. A person reads that in their 15 minutes with the Lord, and they go, I'm Zacchaeus. And I'm trying to get my father's approval to complete me. And no matter what I do, he moves the finish line. 
And what, I will never, I will never get it from him, and I was a foolish Galatian to try. What I began in the Spirit, becoming a follower of Christ, I was going to try to complete my life by receiving a hug and a, I'm proud of you from my dad. And now I couldn't care less because I, because, because I am completed by the Spirit that dwells in me, and now I'm free. See, now I'm free. I don't need that from my Father, and therefore it doesn't have the power anymore. And now, it's kind of a consequence to that, it's kind of fun, is you can love your Father instead of resent them because he doesn't have any power to complete you anymore. And that's what happens every time you get in trouble. It's because you're trying to com be completed by something where Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. Well, you began by a gift. Let me finish with a gift. You don't need to be struggling with being single or, or trying to get wealthier, trying to have a good family, whatever. Just why don't you rest in me? Let me give you another example. Um, a missionary, uh, E. Stanley Jones, a Methodist missionary, very famous Methodist missionary, uh, he had a severe stroke towards the end of his life, and so he was completely immobilized and could barely speak. And he's writing in his, or he's having his diary, he's uh, talking about this in his diary, and it was written down later, that, uh, that he, he was at peace with that because, he says, let's see, uh, what's his quote, his outer, his, his outer props were taken away and all I had was my faith. But all he'd nurtured was his faith. And so his outer props were incidental. Now, a bishop came to him and said, I don't understand how you're so at peace and calm in your life. Because I've retired, this bishop had retired, and he says, I can't live with myself anymore. And he, he, says, he says, I can't live with being forgotten. And, and he said, I think you have what's called limelight-itis. And you're no longer in the limelight, and you can't live with it because... Your pillars were about being important. You were trying to be completed by having a rank. And those have been taken away, and now you have nothing. What you began in the spirit, are you trying to complete with, what, some high office? And so he wrote, he wrote in his diary, he said, the secret was self-surrender in Christ. And so Stanley Jones was able to be encouraging to other people because he focused on the one thing and the one thing that mattered. He continued to believe in Christ vividly portrayed crucified before his very eyes. The power of change comes from grace, from not believing but continuing to believe in the gift of the Son. Paul writes these words, it's a more graphic, if we wrote this today, a more graphic way of Paul's writing would say, you idiots, <laughs> you dear, dear idiots. Everything that you ever wanted has been right under your nose. How did you become a child of God? By a gift from God. And then you received his spirit, and how do you become complete? By a gift of God. Quit wrestling and just enjoy. When we turn the corner now towards our Christmas time, think about that. They could have, Jesus could have come as an adult. God for so loved the world that he gave a gift, and it wasn't $200 on a park bench. It was his son, and he gave his son as a little baby so he would be easy for even the proudest of us to receive him because it was the only way we could ever change. It's the only way we could know him personally. It is the only way that we could ever change and become complete.
Don't be foolish. Don't be a dear, dear idiot. Do you want to change? Do you want to be complete? All you need to do is get on your knees and gaze into the face of a baby who's come to set you free. Through his death and his resurrection, he's provided everything you need. It won't be about you. It's always about him. Let's pray towards that end, and then we're going to make our move towards Christmas. Dear Lord Jesus, I ask, um, because this is such a spiritual secret. It really is. It's a spiritual secret. And some people understand this and some people don't. And all I can ask, Lord, is that you would open the eyes of people today that they would understand this, that your spirit would talk to their spirit, that it would nag their spirit, that you'd make their spirit vulnerable to the foolishness of trying to change by excessive discipline and trying harder and being completed by some thing here some other person's approval. God, I'd ask that we would find ourselves staring into your eyes throughout the story of your life, and your life has been vividly portrayed to us in the Gospels. I'd ask that you would help us get inside of those stories and fall in love in such a deeper way that your spirit would be unleashed so that we might change and become complete in you and you alone. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. For more information about Grace, visit our website at grace360.org.